Mark chapter 16, Jesus says, go into Jerusalem, Judea, and to the whole world and make disciples. So in that, we see we've got our local city, we've got our nation, and then we've got the whole world. So, of course, our local missions is Plano, where we're at and everywhere we've got here. We've got then the bigger area that is the United States. That's where we're a part of ARC, the Association of Related Churches, and we're part of them in helping plant churches in the United States. And then the third component to the whole world, we have two missionaries that we are actually invested in, and one is we're so privileged to have here this morning. And I've been talking to you guys about her being here and their whole missions and what's going on with them. It's just so awesome and great. But if you guys would, stand to your feet and welcome Becky Culker, please. So glad to have you here. So excited. Awesome. We're transitioning your slides. Okay. Well, this is going to play behind me, so it's fine. All right, um, my sinuses are stopped up, and I can't hear myself talk. So if I'm too loud or get crazy, will somebody raise their hand and say, you know, calm it down? Because I have a tendency to go a little nuts when I get the microphone. (laughs) Beware. (laughs) All right, well, I'm Becky Kelker, and um, just to bring you all up to date, for those of you who don't know me, I have been serving now in, uh, well, first, I'm a graduate of Christ for the Nations, like some other people here. (laughs) And I have been serving with my husband and our three children in Mexico for um, almost 20 years. December the 22nd will be 20 years we'll be in Mexico. Um, We had three children. We raised them in Mexico. They went home to the United States to go to college. They went to college. They all got their MRSs and MRs, our husband degrees, and um, then they went on to have children, and they never made it back down to Mexico sad. But that's one more reason I have to come home every year is to see my grandbabies and my children. So it's kind of a good thing too. Um, They were with us for like seven years. We were empty nesters for a long time then. And um, just in the last couple of uh, years, God has put it on our heart to adopt a couple of kids. So while we've been in Mexico, we have uh, worked in Major two or three different Wechol villages. The Wechol Indians is an indigenous um, Indian tribe uh, who believe in shaman, and um, they actually do human sacrifices. They believe in 250 different gods, and that's where God told me to go. So that's kind of crazy that we went there. Uh, and when we first went, 1% of all the Wecholes claimed to be Christian. As of the last census... Five percent now claim Jesus as their savior publicly in the in the census. So that's pretty awesome. Um, we have held men's conferences, women's conferences, children's VBSs. Uh, we've had teams come down to help us with these things. We've built an actual church. Uh, we built a children's church. Um, those things are going to perish, but those lives are going to be for eternity. And so, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background about us. Um, We've also uh, been working in the last four years in a in a orphanage, and that kind of ties into the new children in our family. <laughs> uh, the orphan it was called an orphanage, but none of the children had been adoptable for like ten years. To be adoptable in Mexico, you have to no longer have parents. So our girls still have parents, and they have an aunt 
and they had everybody had to sign off and say they did not want them. So that's how come we got them. Um, so today, I'd really just like to talk to you about some of the things I've learned through this adoption stuff, <laughs> because it's eye-opening. I guess the first thing we have to do when we talk about adoption is know what adoption is. Does anybody know what adoption means? Okay. Well, in the Adoption for English Learners Language by um, Dictionary, it says, the act or process of adopting a child. All right, now... I don't know about you all, but I homeschooled my kids, so I know you can't use the word adopting in a definition of adoption. (laughs) You have to know what it means. You have to go to the basic word. So I looked it up another time in a different dictionary, and it says, to take by choice into a relationship. To take by choice into a relationship. And yet another one says, "The, the state of being accepted are acceptable. So I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. And then I remember something in that Bible, that book that I read all the time, it said that we're adopted into his kingdom, into his family. And so I was like, okay, I know I'm adopted. I'm his kid. I've preached on being a princess. If my daddy's a king, then I'm a princess, right? And if your daddy's a king and you're a boy, then you're a prince. That's just how it is. And I've taken that very seriously. That's fact. That's not me being arrogant. That's not me being rude. It's fact. So I'm like, okay, I'm a princess. So I want my kids, my new girls, to know how they are princesses also. So I'm going to look at this as um, flesh versus spiritual. The first thing we had to give up was we had to do in order to, uh, when we looked at this, we had to look at time. Time is something we can't get back. Once you use it, once you lose it, it's gone. So in the process of adopting, we had to lose a lot of time with lawyers and with government junk we had to follow. That's that's in the flesh. And time is, is an important feature. And when you think they're telling you, oh, you'll have it by, you know, Wednesday, and it's a month later, that's wasted time in my eyes. Well, we've, re- we've, we've redeemed that time by focusing and pouring into our girls. But at the same time, we're waiting. We're waiting. I'm here alone because we're still waiting. Um, they told me we would have our papers in December, last December. Um, you realize that in like two days it's going to be June, and I still don't have papers. Um, so I, we, I came by myself because Mike needed to take the girls back and forth to school. Again, time. Uh, we, have, we have committed when we looked at, you know, the, the Bible talks about laying out your plan, counting the cost. So before we started the whole process, when he came to me, yes, Mike came to me and said, let's adopt. I said, okay, let's think about this. Let's just take two seconds and think about what we're doing. <laughs> we're taking on two more children. That consists of about at least ten more years in Mexico. My daughter in in Vandalia, Illinois, is fixing up her basement. She truly thought we were coming home to live. (laughs) And I I had to tell her, no, we're looking at at least 10 more years. She was not real happy with me. She's really happy about her sisters, though. Okay, so in the spirit world, when we talk about time, God has predestined us into part of his family. And we know that all of our paperwork is already done. God has it. 
When he, when he paid the price, he's, it's done. We're, we're, we're in his family. He adopted us. It didn't take any time. It didn't take any money. One of the cool things about Mexico is, well, I'll get to that. All right. Space. I always jump ahead. Sorry. We had to look at space. When you're taking two more into your home and they're babies, they don't take up a whole lot of space. They don't have anything. They don't need anything except what we give them, right? It's just a little, little nursery, no big deal. When you're taking teenagers into your house, anybody here have teenagers? Um, have you ever had? Nope. Yeah, well, you understand then how much space they take up. They get in my bubble. And sometimes I don't like that. And in a home, moms get in their bubbles, and they don't like that at all. <laughs> so we've had to learn how to deal with our space. Now, I have a nice-sized house. It's not a little cracker barrel or anything, you know, two rooms. It's, it's a large house, and that's what I like, and mostly because then Mike can be over there, and I can be over here, and our bubbles don't have to clash. With two more in the house, the house seems much smaller even though it's big still, it didn't, it didn't shrink any, but our bubbles had to shrink some, and their bubbles were actually expanding because in the orphanage where they lived, they didn't have any bubble. Nothing was theirs. They had no responsibility. They didn't know anything like about that. And so we had to talk about space. Well, I remember going downtown with them the first day and we're shopping. Well, it was the first week. We were shopping because they only came with six outfits, and two pairs of shoes. That's all I got. Two teenagers, 12 outfits, and four pairs of shoes. And I was like, okay, this is pretty amazing. So we were downtown, and I go, we're going to go over to that store next, and it's across the street. And so Selena, the youngest one, just starts walking across the street and almost gets hit. What are you doing? We said we were going over there. I'm like, yeah, but you have to look. There's cars there. They have space. They, you're getting in their space, and they will roll you over. And she was like, well, they can't do that. I'm, I'm here. Like, okay. So I realized right away that I was going to have to invest some uh, basic life skills that they did not have because they never went anywhere without somebody telling them exactly what to do or holding their hands. And you remember, she's 13, and you're, she's still having her hand held across the street. I don't know about any of you, but at 13, I was pretty much doing lots more than that. So... It was not a, a good thing, but it was good that it was right away I found out what we needed to do. So you also have to have space in your heart. You know, I always thought, you know, God gave that to you when you birthed a baby. You know, you look at that baby and you're like, oh, oh, and your heart just fills with joy and pride and oh, it's so cool. Well, these weren't mine. I didn't have that from birth. When they walked in my house, my heart felt that. And it was pretty cool that God had planned it. Okay. In the spirit realm, it says God has already prepared a place for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm liking the idea that I have a place in heaven that's mine. And I'm going to be able to decorate it the way I want to. And I'm going to have the things in it that I want. And you know what? I'm not going to have to do any of the work because God already knows what I desire. And he's going to take care of all that for me. So I don't have to worry about waiting around. I don't have to worry about waiting for six months for a piece of paper. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. And it's kind of cool. In John 14.3, it says, If I go, no, when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. For where I am, there you may be also. 
My girls didn't understand that. And I didn't really get grasp it all the way. I mean, I knew I was his, and I was going to be a, a princess, and I was going there, and he has a place for me. But to actually watch their faces when they started realizing some of that was so amazing to me. And I'm like, oh, that's what you meant, God. You know, it was all fresh again. Commitment. When we have a baby, we're pretty committed, aren't we? <laughs> Us mothers have already suffered nine months. <laughs> nine months. Major labor. We have committed to this child. And it's going to be a commitment for life. Not until they're 18, but for life. Okay? Us moms know that. Dads know that, too, that are committed. Committed dads. Our society has a lot of uncommitted people. That's why we have foster homes. That's why we have dad, deadbeat dads. Why we have moms that have problems. Because nobody's committed. Well, when we looked at it, we're looking at 10 years. We have to commit at least 10 years. Now, Betty, the oldest girl, is going to be 17 next Wednesday, Tuesday, the 3rd. No, the 6th. They're new birthdays for me. Give me a break. It's Tuesday. She's going to be 17 years old. Legally, once we get her paperwork, she's only, I only have... I only legally have rights over her for another year. Which is kind of crazy since I'm going through all this trouble, right? I'm like, why am I doing this? Well, the government thought that too. They're like, why are you wanting teenagers? That's crazy because you only get them for a couple of years. You can't do anything with them in a couple of years. Well, little do they know what we can do with them in just a couple of days. (laughs) But I'm like, okay. So the government had us go in, and they wanted to make sure that we weren't supposed to be committed. (laughs) like to a psych hospital because we wanted teenagers. (laughs) So we went in, and they told us we had to take a a psychological test. Okay? It was, they were telling us it's a 250 questions test in Spanish, and you have to be able to take it. And I'm like, no problem. Hello, I've been here almost 20 years. I think I can take a test. (laughs) We went in, and the, the, the psychologist is sitting there. He's our caseworker, and he's sitting there, and he goes, okay, and he hands us a piece of paper. He says, fold it in half. We're obeying. He says, he only speaks Spanish, so we're obeying. And we're like, okay, that's cool. We fold it. He gives us a pencil, and he goes, all right, each of you draw a little boy. I'm like, okay, no problem. I can draw. I can play. I'm drawing my little boy, and he's got curly hair, and he's got holes in his jeans, and he's dirty on his face. There's dirt there, and, and he's like, Okay, draw a little girl on the other side. Like, all right. So Mike's drawing his little girl. It's almost a stick figure. But he's got a, she's got a dress on, and she's got a bow in her hair. So you know it's a girl. And my little girl has bows and cute little buttons. And actually, mine is in, is in pants, but that's okay. And I'm like, all right. And he goes, all right, now turn it over and draw a house. I'm like, okay, I didn't know I was going to art school. So I drew a house, and my house had curtains in the windows and a chimney with smoke coming out the top, and, and a house, you know, had two stories. It had little flowers in the front, and Mike's had a picket fence. And I'm like, Mike, I don't know that that's a good thing. And he's like, why? And I go, because they could get hurt on the tops of those. And I don't know. And he's like, yeah, but I'm protecting. Nobody's going to get into my girls. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And then he goes, draw a tree. And I'm like, all right, I'll draw a tree. And I had apples in my tree, and I had a little knot hole where a squirrel could play and live. And, and Mike had a pine tree because it's forever kind of always green. And, I, and he said, okay, give them to me. 
And we gave him the papers, and he looked at them, and he goes, all right, you pass. I'm like, I pass? He says, yeah, you pass because uh, I got everything I need out of these pictures. I was like, okay, whatever. Well, after they approved us, I went back to him, and I said, that test we took, could you explain it to me, what you saw? And he saw Mike's protective spirit. He saw the fact that I gave great detail to my, my children when I drew them, that I protect them, that I, I have a home for them, not just a house. And, and I was like, oh, well, if I'd have known that, I'd have put other, other things in there. You know? <laughs> but <coughs> it was really good. Because I took the time and committed to taking that test. Because I took the time and it was committed to getting these girls. It's pretty amazing. We, we took the responsibility to make them ours. God, accept, when we accept him as our father, he's okay with that. He doesn't have to take a test to make sure that he's not crazy. Even though he adopted me, that kind of questions things. But <laughs> it's okay because God is God and he's going to take care of us. All right. So he chooses us. In John 14, 20, it says, At that day ye shall know that I am, my, I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Daddy. He's dad. I'm a mama again. They right away, the very first day they came to us, I said, You don't have to call me mommy. I'm Becky. I've been Becky for four years. We knew them for four years before we took them. I'm okay with Becky. And they're like, No, you're my mom. I'm like, But you have a mom. No, I don't. I go, she goes, I have somebody who gave birth to me, but I don't have a mom. And I was like, oh, and they said the same thing to Mike about him being poppy. And so we've always been mommy and poppy since they came home. Another thing is love. Love, love, love. It sounds so wonderful to say it, and everything is all butterflies and rainbows when you're in love. It's just so cool. It's not always so cool. How many moms here have had to spank their children? Discipline your child. We all have, right? That's love. How many of us have had to say, you need to do it this way because I say so and not give a reason? That's love. The children don't seem to think that way very often, but that's what it is. So Lena came in one day and and told me, I don't want to go to school anymore. I'm not going there. I'm like, yeah, you are. Nope, and there's nothing you can do about it. Just like that, with the whole attitude. If anybody knows my my older children, she's just like Melinda, my youngest. And she's now my youngest. Selena is my youngest. So I think maybe it has something to do with birth order, the attitude. (laughs) But I was like, no, you're going to school. I think that's what you should do. I don't care what you think, I ain't going. Okay, well, now you have one chance to change your mind. Change that attitude. Nothing's going to change this, Mom. And Number two, I gave her one more chance. No attitude change. I said, okay, hold on. And I went into my office, and I got a Bible, and I got some paper and a pencil, and I came in and put it on the table. And she goes, you're going to make me write scriptures? I'm like, "Uh, you think? And so I told her to sit down, and she goes, where do I start? I go, Genesis 1-1 would be good. And she just kept pushing the button. She just kept pushing the envelope. She goes, okay, how many scriptures do I have to write? I go, right now, as irritated as I am, you can start at Genesis and write all the way to Revelations. And I said, and you say one more word, you're drawing the maps. 
course, she sits down. She knows I'm irritated now, right? I've made my point. I'm, you're going to do it my way because I'm the mom and I know what's best for you. She starts writing her scriptures and turns on the waterworks. Not my first rodeo. Waterworks don't work. You're writing. So I walk away, and I, I'm close enough that I can see her. So if she stops, I'll on her, right? But I'm not sitting there watching her write. I'm like, all right, I want your attitude to change. Mike comes in. What's going on? She's in trouble. Don't go in there and talk to her. Just leave her alone. She needs to learn this lesson. If any of you know my husband, he does not leave things alone. He has to get involved. So about five minutes later, he's in there sitting next to her, talking to her. And I'm like, oh, why are you doing this? I want her to learn this lesson. Revelations isn't that far. (laughs) A few minutes later, she walks in. Mom, I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. I promise. And I was like, okay, when I say attitude, you need to realize it's an attitude. It may not seem like an attitude to you, but it's an attitude everybody else sees. All right, I'll do better. I'm like, okay. So she goes to rip up her paper, and I go, ah, 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 don't do that. I go, Give it to me. What do you want with it? I go, well, that Bible and this paper are going in my briefcase because we're going to the beach next week, and if you get an attitude, I'm going to have you start right where you stopped. And she looked at me, at the beach? You're going to make me sit and write scripture at the beach? I'm like, I'm going to make you sit and write scriptures the rest of your life. So you might as well get used to it. If you don't change your attitude, that's where it's going because he can change your attitude. You're right. I don't have that power, but he does. And she's like, fine. Okay. There's only been like four times since then that I've come back and said, do I need to get my Bible? Nope. I'm good. Everything's wonderful. (laughs) Instant attitude change. God knows what he's doing. Thank God I listened. (laughs) But that's love. And now they understand that love isn't all hugs and kisses and letting you do whatever you want. Love is trying to train you up in the way you should go. Because when you're old, you won't depart from it. So we have to do it when they're young, when they're babies. That little one came up and hugged my leg. I don't remember the curly hair. You know. Vivian? She came up. She had just finished a donut. My pants are full of donut now. How fun is that? That is so cool because that little girl has been trained to show God's love. New persons come in here and her her running up to them and hugging on them, that can change a life. You know, and that is awesome. And I don't care how much donut I have on my pants. I was a little worried. I'm thinking, that's the first time I've been in this church. I need to get it off. (laughs) This is who I am, okay? I am not the missionary that sits up here and looks down. Yes, I'm, Be- I'm Becky and I'm wonderful. People seem to think that sometimes because I'm the princess. But the reality is Becky's just Becky and I'm a little bit crazy on some days and I get mad on other days. and You know, that's just who I am. And you're not going to get that to change because God made me that way. So I'm going to just be me. And if you like me, great. And if you don't like me, go talk to God. He's the only one that's going to change me. <laughs> All right. In the spirit, God is more like that. But he does discipline us. There's still discipline. When it's called love, there's discipline. And God unconditionally loves us. And that's hard for adoptive children to receive. They've been rejected. They've been pushed away. But in God's world, the minute you turn around to him, he will take you back and unconditionally show his love to you. He wants to bless you. He loves you. 
because now you're his. You weren't before. Now you're his. You're in his family, and he's going to take care of you. And if that means disciplining you, well, then, then that's what he'll have to do. And sometimes human beings don't like that. Or not sometimes. All the times, human beings don't like that because what I think is right, and it's not always right. And I have to be humble enough to bow to what he says to us, what he says to me. If I'm not doing what he wants me to do, I can't tell someone else what God is saying. I can't help others see God's unconditional love for them. In Romans 8.15 it says, For ye have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When we learn to do that, when things fall... When I, I, I envision that whole thing as... Um, JFK in the Oval Office and Todd playing underneath the, the thing and, and messing with him in the Oval Office during a meeting. Our Abraham Lincoln, his kids would come in and he didn't care who he was talking to. Hold on. What do you need? What do you need? The kid. What did, what, what did, you know, did you scrape your knee? Come here, I'll wipe it off. All right, let, you're good now. And then the kid would go away and he'd go back to these, these meetings with all these important dignitaries from other countries and That they didn't outrank his kids. I think a lot of times, this right here outranks our kids. How many times have you been on the phone, either talking or texting, and your kid come in and you're saying, okay, hold on, just wait one minute, I'm on the phone. We are all guilty. Every single one of us is guilty of that, of putting this before God or putting this before your family. It's important we know that. We need to show our love to those kids, to those people when they need it. I mean, how would you feel if you were hurting outside of a church and the pastor said, I'm on lunch right now, just wait. We would not do that as pastors. We wouldn't. Our lunch will, will be moldy if you needed us that long. And that would be okay with us. Because that's our heart. We, we're... We want to be spiritual parents, and that's so important to have somebody you can go to and talk to. And you know, if it's not like life threatening, you can call him and her. And, hey, can we get together? Take them to lunch, pick their brains. It's there. Sometimes when you pick my brain, you have to dig really deep, but it's there because God is there. Some of the things that have happened in our our processing is. Um, We've had some setbacks and attacks of the enemy uh, in finances. Our finances, when we decided to adopt, actually dropped off, which made no sense to me. We're adding two more, feed, two more people eating at our table, and people stopped giving. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Our finances and the fact that we were now paying for school, we were paying for clothes, we were paying for stuff that wasn't budgeted in. It's now in the budget, so I'm good. But... The first year, we didn't have that budgeted in. We have a language barrier. Our children not only speak teenager, but they speak Spanish teenager. They didn't, and they don't know, didn't know a whole lot of English when we got them. They're getting better, but they didn't know anything other than what I taught them at school because I was their English teacher. We have cultural issues. We love Italian food. My husband adores Italian food. If there's pasta in it, he's there. 
I love steak and potatoes. You can't have a potato without a steak. Good, juicy, thick steak. They don't make those in Mexico. I had to go in and teach my butcher how to cut my steak. <laughs> so those are cultural differences. And my girls in the, in the casa had beans three times a day. All right? Beans once in a while is like, okay. Beans cooked a certain way is okay. Beans every day refried is not something that my system approves of. <laughs> I had issues. So, but they, they, they've learned. Because they actually ask, and now some of their favorite meals are pasta and meat. And so I'm like, it's amazing to me to see how God has used two other people to make a baby that has our DNA in it. I don't get it. I don't know how he does that, but it's so exciting to see that happen. Satan doesn't like the idea of adoption because it gives you security, because you become part of a family, and you have a relationship with your parents and your God. Satan hates those things. He came to kill, destroy, and rip apart at anything he could. He doesn't want us to be happy and secure. Become a family, becoming a family is not easy, but it's so worth it. Remember those labor pains, mamas. That wasn't easy. The time in the hospital, the IVs, ugh. But it's worth it to invest your time in a child. Adoption and acceptance are so close to the same thing. We can accept someone into our lives, but to adopt them, to make them yours, is, makes it so much more firmer in their minds. Yeah, I accept you. You're great. Yeah, whatever. You can come over anytime. No, adoption is get your butt in here and sit down at this table. We're going to do family stuff. That's a difference. Our, our extended children, our grown-up ones, I have three grown-ups. They're 33 and 30. 33 and 31. I have eight grandchildren. I have a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old. And they all love each other. They haven't even met, and they love each other. My, my daughter in Vandalia bought them a whole line of clothes and then sent them down to the border for us to pick up. My other daughter has sent hair supplies and, and just gadgets. You know, My son has said, he lives in Louisiana, and he said, Mama, I got my gun and some new bullets. Anybody come near them, I'm going to shoot them. And I was like, I don't want you to go to jail, but that's a good concept. <laughs> I like the idea that he has that protective spirit that he wants to protect. And he's never even met them. There's a bonding that only God can do. So I just, I just want to encourage you to accept Jesus and let him be your dad. Just let him be your dad. If you didn't have a good dad as an example... There's all kinds of stuff you can read in the Bible that shows what a good daddy does. I'm not saying we're perfect parents. We're not. But we're willing parents. We're willing to learn. We're willing to work with them. We're willing. And sometimes all that God needs is a willing vessel. Um, some of the things we're doing in the, in the village is, is very similar. I'm, I'm there as a vessel, but a lot of times I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'll get up to say something, and I'll start speaking in tongues. And the women are, like, getting paper and pencil and writing it down, and I have no clue what I'm saying. 
It's Wechol. And the women are excited because they know I don't know Wechol. That's one of the reasons why I really feel like I shouldn't work to learn it. Because God is so much better than me. <laughs> I would take ownership and yes, Becky says. No, I want God to say it to you. And it's been amazing. The ladies' conferences at the beach. I've had as little as four women show up. And God shows up and blesses us. It's so amazing. You know, other times I've had 20. And it's the same thing. You know, it's, God doesn't care how many. What does it say in the book? Two or more. So if just me and another lady goes, we're partying with Jesus. You can't get any better. But if I wasn't willing to let God use me, it'd be one and it wouldn't work. So it's very important to let God use you. Um, I'm going to open it up a little bit now. And do any of you have any questions about what we do in Mexico, why we do it, where we are? Did the slides answer all your questions? We, we live in Tepic, Nayarit. It's about th- three hours from Puerto Vallarta, northeast of Puerto Vallarta. We live in a valley. There's a big volcano up on the side. If it ever goes off again, we're going to be in heaven waiting for you. On the west coast, yes. You go down to the end of Baja, California, go over to the mainland, that's Mazatlan, and we're further south. Oh, yeah, because I have a little bit of in Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Okay, yeah, that's north. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the villages are Pochotetan and El Roble. And um, those are the two. We've really invested in those pastors. Those pastors then walk another day to a new, another village. The Wecholes are about 25,000, and they're in little pockets of like 50 Wecholes at a time. And so they walk to the next village. And now they've started, actually, they've planted churches in six villages, each of them. So we have 12 other villages. And now they're taking Mike out to those villages for him to pray over and send out the next group that will walk another day out. Yeah, so it's like a, a rock in a pond. It's those ripple effects and and. God's getting more and more all the time, so it's a cool thing. Right, they're indigenous Indian. Yes. Um, uh, example: God loves God. God bless you in English. Dios le bendiga in Espanol. Am I right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then in in Wichol is Kakiari Mitsuviani. No, I don't know any of it. I just know that one verse. <laughs> I'm like, can't even speak Can't even speak No, they speak Spanish. No, not really. Um, I teach in the in the city. They do in the villages. They teach Wechol and Spanish. In the city, then we do Spanish and English. And I actually teach English in three kindergartens to four year olds. Yeah, to four-year-olds. I teach phonics, and um, I have 104 students this year. So 104 four-year-olds, and then I go home to teenagers. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. They don't, no. But by the time they're done with my class, that one year, um, they're really pretty easy to pick up a, a, a beginner reader, and they can pretty much sound out the words. So it's... We know, but we play, and we have fun, and we sing. How many of you sing head and shoulders, knees and toes? Well, when I get home, we're gonna, they're going to have their graduation to the next level, and we're singing head and shoulders, knees and toes in English. 
So it'll be really a cool thing because the parents just love that idea. My kid at four year old knows how to speak English, and I'm only in three schools, so you can tell that they're ahead of all the rest of them. I also teach at the Casa de Niños, and I really felt that that was important because all of these kids have been taken out of their their home situations. They're they, they're already behind in so many ways. A little bit of English isn't going to hurt them at all. It's going to encourage them to continue on. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the goal, to get them out there. When I first started working at the CASA, I was with all the kids, and I said, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you know what I got? I'm going to clean houses. I'm going to be a beggar on the street. I'm going to be one of those clowns that throws balls up in the air. That's what their life goals were. Well, after me working in the school for a year, I re-asked that same question. I had one of them wanting to be a... a a bombero, uh, a fireman. I had another one wanting to be a school teacher. I had another one that wanted to go and do great works for God. My girls want to be a lawyer. The older one wants to be a lawyer to help with adoption. You know, the, the, the other daughter wants to be a veterinarian because she loves animals. So their, their, their thought process, process had changed. I was opening the world to them. Well, the CASA is now changing their, their focus and pulling me aside, pulling me back. But I got two of the girls who I'm going to encourage on. You know, So um, in about 10 years, I'm going to be back here. We need a lawyer school, and we need help. And <laughs> but until then, we're good. God's taking care of us. Even on our darkest day, God has taken care of us. So it's pretty awesome. Any other questions? Well, since they're not here, and I'd rather it not be, okay, with Daddy. Yeah, the girl in the green, she's 17. She's quiet and shy and is an onion. And we have been pulling one layer off at a time to get to who she really is. And um, she is blossoming. She loves her daddy. She just loves her daddy to death. And, and I could say one thing, and she's like, I'm going to ask Dad. I go, go ask Dad. He's going to give you the same answer as me in my dreams. Anyway. <laughs> so they're really, really close. And then Selena, the younger one, she's 14, and she's all attitude, all boys, all everything that is in, engulfed in a 14-year-old. She likes music. She likes crazy stuff. But she has some problems with knowing what friends are because she's never been able to pick her own. And so when she first joined Facebook, she had like 400 friends the first day. And I was like, um, those aren't friends. Yeah, they're friends, Mom. I know like, I don't think so. So I go in and del- delete 50 or 60 of them every couple of weeks. They don't have pictures. If they don't have, a- you know, and I'm reading. Because I have access to that stuff. That's important for the mama to have access to that stuff. So, but uh, she got her hair cut for the first time with us. Her hair was like down to here. And she got it cut, like, up to here. And she's like, this feels so different. It's wonderful. And I'm like, I don't understand why nobody would cut her hair, but they wouldn't. I don't know. Um, but she has a lot of attitude, and she, she likes to bump heads with, like, most people. And uh, <laughs> so that's the one that had to write the Bible. Betty's never had to write the Bible. And her name's Nise, so we call her Betty. But they're, uh, they're pretty cool. Um, she's really open and outward, and she has a really good view of life. 
um, when I ask them about their family or they want to share something, she's just like, that's them and this is me. And Do you want to go visit your mom or your dad? Nope. Don't want to visit. You're my mom and dad. I don't need anything. But Betty remembers more of what life was like, and she'd like to see her aunt who is in San Diego. And so, I don't know, she's like, when I'm 18, I'm going to go to San Diego and visit my aunt. And I'm like, really? She's like, that'd be okay because I'm 18, I'm an adult. I'm like, oh, well, make sure you pack all of your stuff because if you do that without permission, you're not coming back here because you're 18 and you're an adult. So you can go get an apartment and you can get your stuff and you can pay. And she's looking at me going, what do you mean? You're my mom. I'm like, yeah, I'm your mom and I still have say. And if you think you're going to go all the way to San Diego on a bus by yourself at 18, then you're not coming back here because that ain't going to work. She goes, well, maybe mom and me could make a a bus trip. (laughs) And I'm like, that's better. That's the better way to look at it. And then why don't we just think about it and pray about it? Because my mom is in San San Bernardino, which is only like two hours, four hours from San, San Diego. We could go visit your grandma and then visit your aunt and then go back to grandma's. Oh, that would be awesome. Mom, you're so smart. Like, keep saying that. That's a mantra. Mom is smart. Mom is smart. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. She's still fighting me, but that's okay. Was there a question over here? Yes. So always a prayer. Well, there's only two seasons in Mexico, brown and green. <laughs> That's how it is. But um, I, have a, I have a shopping list on Facebook, on my, not on Facebook, on my webpage. I have a shopping list, and I have some other stuff there that, that gives you everything that we need. And we come here every, we try to come to the United States once a year. Um, money is always a good thing. Uh, prayer is better. Because without prayer, um, God won't bring the money. And so, <laughs> so that's important. And, you know, you guys coming down is a big blessing. We'd love to have a team from, from Church on the Rock Dallas come down and, and, and spend some time. You know, go to the village, meet, the, meet our Indian friends. That, that's such a, that's a, that's a big thing. Um, they like to have, know that they have family everywhere. And like I said, we've all been adopted into the family. And I teach those Indians that, and they know it. Oh, I have some stuff back there. The Indian women like to come to the beach for the women's conference. They pay for their conference through their artwork. And I buy it, and then I bring it here, and there's a markup, of course, but it pays for them. I don't make any money off of the table. They make them all the time to sell things. But they don't always sell them, so I bring them home and help them. So that, that's, that's what that's about. And I think everything on the table is $5, so it's not too astronomical, but it's, it's enough to help them get to their conference. It's about 60 American dollars to do the conference. It's two nights in a hotel, free time on the beach, and, and um, four teachings. So in September. Every September. Yep, the weekend after their Independence Day. Their independence is the 16th of September, and we do it the next week. I can have up to 20. Yeah, and then I could get in trouble with the government, so we're not going to go over 20. 
We can have two weekends of 20, but only 20 at a time. <laughs> so, so that works. Depends on your giftings and what you have, you're bringing. We have um, projects, work projects, like putting up buildings and sidewalks and that kind of a thing. We have ministry pro- projects where we can go in and have an evangelistic crusade. Um, you know, you tell me what you're bringing and I'll find a place for it to work. You mentioned a sidewalk that you needed that was going to be like $395 or something like that. Right, about, yeah, $400 it'll cost to put in this sidewalk that connects a, an old... Um, rock sidewalk that is falling apart and I've tripped my sprained my ankle several times on it so we walk around it now if we could connect that to the 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 one that Mike's already laid another team came down last year and laid it so then that would be awesome that way we wouldn't have to worry about the kids falling on it at the casa so so there's there's a lot of things whatever you want to do all right is there any other questions I know we've gone over just a few minutes, and I'm perfectly fine with that. There's not a problem at all. I didn't tell you a time to be done, so that's fine. All right, so if everyone will take out this, this envelope, and we're just going to pray and ask God what he wants you to do. But, you know, when Becky was talking about the spirit of adoption, it really, it's not just about what's going on in Mexico. And so the people that are listening to this podcast, the people who are watching the video online, the people that are here in this room, if we could just bow our heads. Because as she was talking about being separated from parents and not having friends and not having someone that you could go to, that might have pricked your heart a little bit. You might be able to identify with that a little bit more than someone else in this room. And I would be remiss if we didn't take a moment before we handle any other business to pray for you. So I'm going to ask Becky to pray for you in just a second to pass that mama's anointing that she obviously has. I'm not going to embarrass anybody by asking them to raise their hand. But if that's you, when Becky prays, and if she leads you in a prayer, I just encourage you to do it. But when she prays, receive that anointing. Because that same God that's doing a wonderful, wonderful transformation in those two beautiful girls is able to make that same transformation with you. So Becky, if you will. Thank you. Father, we just come before you right now. Dad, so many people need so many things that the earth can't, can't take care of it. We, we're, we're few. We're, the laborers are few, Father. But you're awesome and can do all things. We just ask you right now to just touch lives. Let them know how much you love them. Wrap your arms around them. And let them call you dad. Because daddy takes care of things. That's what daddy's jobs are, to take care of things. And I know I'm, I'm old and, and turning gray, but you're still my dad. And if I need something, I can still run to you. And you're going to take care of it. And we just thank you, Father. And 
Anybody that has those issues that needs daddy, just pray with me right now. Dad, I have issues. You know what my issues are. You're probably the only one that knows what my issues are. Can you clean me up a little bit and put me in a pretty dress or a nice suit and let let the world see you shining through me? And let me give me opportunities to share your love and to tell people about my dad because that's what this is all about. And we thank you, Father, that you're able to do these things in each and every one of us. And we rejoice in the fact that we have a family. And we thank you. Amen.